You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 323. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software that I love using. It is such a wonderful tool for creative business owners that want to enjoy their bookkeeping as much as they do their social media and all of the other platforms that they love using for their online companies or offline. But, you know, here my reference is the point of view of an online business owner. It is so useful. If you have a team and you need to track their time or if you have different projects for different types of contracting situations that you have, please go try it. It is beautiful. It is so simple. You can try it for free for 30 days by using the code I'm about to give you. You have nothing to lose if you're at the start of the year and you're really not liking having to deal with your taxes and all the bookkeeping that comes with a company. Please, please go try it. This was such a huge upgrade and an aligning system for me to use for my company. And I want to see if you enjoy it as much as I do, because it truly is such a beautiful company. And even just working from them inside and out, it's not just beautiful to use their team and their social, like their actual support system. If you actually call, you get a real person. They're based in Canada. So I think that the, even every person I've spoken to is just like a really nice Canadian that I'm aware of. As far as I'm aware, I just call up and their offices answer. And they are so useful if you have any questions as you go into integrating it into your system and company. So please go try it for free for 30 days if you want to. My code for you is freshbooks.com lively to try it. And then in the how did you hear about us section, let them know you heard it from the Lively Show. They love me, they love you guys, and it's just a joy to be able to share such a wonderful company with you. All right, guys, in other news, next week we are starting our Collective Collective. So this episode as it's airing is a solo episode. Oh my goodness, can you believe I'm doing kind of an old school show? I haven't done one of these in so long, maybe almost a year almost a year. I don't think it's been very recent, but if you're interested in the collective like me and Annie Francoeur, the channel of the collective, if you're loving season seven and their energy, I know a lot of people say they end up in tears as they listen to the loving energy of the collective. And if you heard them talk with me last week on the show about it, we are doing a three-month program where we're allowing the collective of humans that are interested in the collective of the non-physical collective to come together, merge, and go expand beyond words as the collective shared last week. So we're going to do two calls per month. So every other week or every fortnight in the British Commonwealth, we're going to do these calls. They'll be an evening Eastern Standard Time in America. So if you're interested, please go over to JessLively.com slash CC. Feel into it. Check into your inner voice. Do you want to be a part of a community of people that are interested in the frequency of the collective? Would you like to meet others in real life, in human form, and also be able to ask them in non-physical form, ask them questions? If so, go over and join us. I'm so excited for Annie and I to see how this unfolds with the collective, with you guys. Such a fun thing. I've never heard of a program like this existing with a channel, so it's pretty darn cool for me to imagine being able to facilitate something like this happening in our physical reality with the non-physical at the same time. All right, now let's move on. Okay, guys, I'm gonna do an old school show. If you guys want a personal update on my life, since I took the big hiatus last year, I stopped needing the facet of teacher on my resume of identity, if that makes sense. And it's so interesting because it was kind of right on the heels not too long after I did the TV show, Lively Show. So we did the inner voice stuff and 
It was almost like the capstone of that identity of Jess Lively, as I knew myself and thought of myself before. That was like the pinnacle of like being able to be the fullest extent of what I could dream as the human mind persona character. And of course, my desire to help you has never changed. But at the same time, my perspective on what help is has. My feeling and trust that everything is fine, that all is well, even through crazy times as we're having in our you know world experience and our life experience right now, a lot of stuff is changing very rapidly, very quickly. But my understanding and deep realization that everything is fine for everyone and I am not needed in the sense that I need to to be this teacher, speaker, whatever you wanted to label me as. I didn't need to exist in that way to be a benefit to the planet. And it was really more just adding to my identity more than it was helping me expand beyond it. So letting that go for a long time has been extremely freeing. And also just probably after 10 years of sharing my life personally on the show and on the blog in so many different facets, I just wanted to be I guess like a sense like a person that didn't have to be sharing so publicly. So it was a wonderful time. And now coming back into it, even on social media, it's an interesting beast to think, what do I share? Because just even the idea of sharing content, like as a person, seems irrelevant. (laughs) And I just kind of check in with myself. Of course, I love and am passionate about sunsets and sunrises and interior design and you know, alignment time and certain things that are just like, just bring me joy. So I love sharing my life that is in joy. And I love using things like the collective and points of view that I think can uplift you and help you expand beyond your mind as well. But in terms of me getting up there and saying, these are the 12 things I'm doing for New Year's and how you could do them too, or this is how I live my life. It's not important how I'm living my life because it's all about my alignment within myself and my inner being and my essence. That's going to look different for every single being on the planet. So for me to present to you parts of myself that are, I know it can be inspiring and I know I am inspired as well by certain people, especially those that are beyond their mind, but I'm not yet fully one of those people. So it's like, you know, I'm not Ram Dass or Eckhart. So that that's very fascinating to me how they live their lives. But in my pre- <laughs> state of all of that. The pre-transformation, I just don't feel like anything other than saying look inside of yourself is the most powerful thing. That all said, I am happy to, for today, we'll see how this feels and goes, um, answer your questions. I put out a call on Instagram and got a bunch of questions overnight. So I'm going to read through. I haven't looked at them yet and we'll go through. And I think this might be a way for me to basically give you guys a somewhat personal update through the questions you guys may have asked. I haven't even read them yet, so I'm going to read these for the first time out loud to you as I go through them. And if they ask me questions in my personal life, then I'll be able to share from this place. But like just giving you like a like the Detroit update that I did a year ago. Yeah, I just don't even think in that way anymore. If you wanted to know my life, I have no idea where it's going next. I just booked this beautiful Airbnb home that I'm staying in right now for the next seven weeks. And I am beyond myself because I haven't been anywhere for seven weeks at one time since Sydney in like last September. So it's been quite a while since I've had some place of stability and it's here happening to be in Cape Town for right now. But let's see the questions, what you guys asked, and then I'll share more details if they're asked (laughs) as we go. All right, let's start. Amy Busy Breath asked, how do you keep yourself grounded amidst all the flow and the universe has brought your way? 
OMG. I have no idea how I, sometimes I'm not feeling that grounded at all. And one of the things I think that I'm going through in my journey to realization is the fact that the way it's unfolding for me personally, and of course, this is just to my personal life. It's my journey. It's my soul's journey. No two souls are alike. So no one will ever go through this in the same way as another. So do not worry. My life is going to be very different than everyone else's and everyone else's stories will be different and will flow for their soul and their inner being and their guidance of themselves. So please know, I realize I do not have the normal life that many people do where, let's say normal, there's no normal life, right? There's no one life, but I did plan, and you guys know if you go far back with me, I was 31, had two dogs, a white picket fence at one point in Austin, Texas, and a house and a husband. Like I want that life still. My humanness still wants to have, not that exact life, but a family and a partner and a home that is specifically located one place. Maybe I'll travel a lot, but I still want that. But I have allowed myself to let go of all of those constructs and let go of all those physical and emotional ties over the last three and a half years following my inner voice. So now I've kind of been nomadically living and I'm sure that the visa stuff may show up later in this conversation with questions that were asked, but in terms of grounded amidst the flow of the universe bringing my way, Okay, so what I've noticed in the three and a half years, and especially in the last probably six months, actually, no, the whole time, this entire time I've been living around the world, not having a specific base, and the two times over the last three and a half years, I thought I was done, quote unquote, you're never done, but I thought I was complete by being in Sydney a few years ago, and then that flowed out of my life, and then I thought I was done when I bought the penthouse in Detroit, then the universe flowed me out of that, so that's now being rented by someone else. So those two times where I thought I was done traveling life, I wasn't. And what I've realized is all of this shifting, all of this moving. Last week, for example, I slept in five different places in seven days. I didn't know where I was going to be. I thought it was going to be a, a friend's place and that didn't work out. So then I was in five different places over seven days. That's a bit extreme. I'm not normally traveling like that, but that just happened. But I can tell you, but that amount of change and unroutine I can shed energies and aspects of my identity and personality like a mofo. Like it is wild how much I can let go of and how much can change and transform because I'm not attached to any routine or place or space or people in larger contexts. Last year, I spent the year across four different continents. I was in London for a few months, Sydney for several months, Detroit for a little while, and here in Cape Town by the end of the year. So if you told me I was going to be in Africa, Australia, Europe, and the United States all in the same year, making semi-homes, thinking that they were roughly the place to be for the next extended period of time, and then they kept getting shifted. The sands kept shifting. I am completely different than I was in London, than I was in Australia, than I was in Detroit and all that stuff. It's all changed so much. So I actually don't think that my soul is wanting me to be grounded yet because it's too busy divesting itself of its old identity. And in terms of when I do find like now that I'm in one place for seven weeks, that's a huge gift to myself. This place, uh, once I'm here, I usually get groceries and I try to eat. I love eating uh, dates. Uh, honey, almond butter, and a lot of garlic, which I know people find is weird. I know it's weird, but I freaking love it. Garlic on top of that stuff just kicks it up a notch and makes my belly do a happy dance. 
foods. So those kind of things, like I like eating similar types of foods. My human nature will still retreat to its favorite things most times, but even that's shifting a lot. So groundedness doesn't always happen, but I think that's during the times for me lately that it's about changing the energy and letting go of old identity. Okay, that is a very uh, winding answer to that one, but let's move on. We have Simply Organized Life said, are you selling the Detroit condo and what is keeping you in alignment these days? Wishing you blessings always. Oh, thank you, Simply Organized Life. Um, Am I selling the Detroit condo? So right now it's a bit up in the air. Um, The Detroit condo, when I was in Sydney, basically a personal situation uh, last year brought me back to, well, I went to Sydney for a holiday because I didn't want to be in the winter in Detroit last year. So last, I think February, I went over there, March, because I was in Hawaii for a conference and I was like, well, it's only nine hours from Hawaii to Australia and it's only three hour time zone, like 21 hours, but basically three hours off. So I'll already be adjusted to the time zones and a little magical circumstance brought me over there. And then once I got there, something very personal and very profound happened and I decided to return. And I knew it was time I knew that I knew it was time to return, but I had no idea what was going to happen with the Detroit condo because I had just bought it. Oh, uh, yeah, I never shared this story. So here you go, guys. The story's coming out through the questions. I went back to Sydney knowing that it was the right course of action, but I had no idea what the Detroit condo was all about. Why did I manifest the condo in Detroit so easily? I made a whole story up in my head about why I thought it was, and I shared it with you guys. And I was like, I'm gonna go be the consciousness lady of Detroit, blah, blah, blah. Well, I thought that, I mean, I did. I thought maybe that's why I went back. But then the universe flowed me out. I realized it's pretty cold there. And the lifestyle there as a single nomadic, like, lifestyle type person for that winter being on like totally being single totally not having any job that's tying me to the city and the weather that's going on there it's still a freaking cool city am i still super proud of what's happening there do i still think it's one of the coolest places in the u.s yes all of those things for sure are still true but the weather specifically especially in the winter was just kind of leaving me not in the most enjoyable of spaces. And I was thinking, you know, meanwhile, the Southern Hemisphere is so gorgeous. So why don't I go down there? The condo, once I was in Sydney, was then empty for a while. And my mom even asked me, she's like, what What are you doing with that? And I had trusted because I had a deep knowing that I was supposed to be in Sydney. So I had no idea what would happen with the apartment, but it would be fine, whatever it was. I just knew I was supposed to be in Sydney. So therefore, whatever was happening in Detroit was also aligned. I just didn't know why at the time. I did ask my inner voice after my mom asked me very, you know, just a lovely mom, lovely mom. She just is such a normal person. I don't think my family understands at all the way, you know, I see the world or anything. And that's totally fine. But sometimes she asks those like really basic questions, you know, like, what are you doing with that stuff? So um, just out of curiosity, like what is happening? Just like you are asking here. And I asked my inner voice and it said, it will take care of itself. And it did a few days later. And I knew that, but I just got the answer being that. I already knew that, but I got those words to support it. And when I let it go a few days later, this was probably a month or two into being in Sydney at this point, a person reached out through someone on our team that was a friend of someone on our team and was looking for a executive rental for her job. So she started renting it. And that's been the current situation. So it's still happening in that way, but it could be on the market as well. So we're kind of seeing what flows best between her and I and the whole situation. So it could be sold, it could stay rented, but either way, it's being occupied right now and has a perfect person that is appreciating it in the perfect way. It is amazing the alignment of the person and my life. 
the fact that we've connected is truly pretty magical. So anyways, it's being taken care of and it's actually providing a little bit of revenue as well, which is nice to supplement the income. So yeah, that is what's happening with that. Who knows, basically, is the very long, short answer of it. And what's keeping me in alignment these days, I love doing the deep inner voice sessions at WeWorks. I've been doing that throughout the year. That's probably been the most consistent thing I've done over the year is these deep inner voice sessions at WeWorks. I love WeWork. It is a company that's been in the news a lot lately. I don't get into the details of all that stuff because to me, the experience of going to a place that is so beautiful, high vibe, the people that I always meet in all of the locations, whether it's the staff or the people that work in them, is just something that keeps me so happy. So I am such a joyful person to be a part of that. And the Cape Town WeWork happened to open a few weeks ago, just as I got here. So it was really magical alignment that I'm one of the very first people to actually be in this WeWork here. So yeah, WeWorks, the deep inner voice sessions, doing them there also is a deep, deep source of joy. I love coffee, iced oat milk lattes. Those bring me alignment and rampaging appreciation. I do do that again. I went for a period of time not doing it. But once I did the hot seat with Abraham on an Alaskan cruise, I spoke to them about, you know, what are we supposed to do? We can't just meditate all day. Thoughts are mostly the source of our (laughs) drama and resistance. So how do we live without thinking all the time? And one of the things they said was appreciation is a higher vibration than no thought at all, which was true. So I use alignment and appreciating as a tool. So if I have time, I have traded basically reading books by other human minds. Instead of doing that like I used to, to find alignment with all the time that I have by myself (laughs) around the world, I actually write appreciation. I write down what I appreciate. And as I do, I know it's a mental exercise still, but sometimes there is a nice little buzz that comes out of it, just like coffee. I don't really use or rely on coffee for actual caffeine. It's a little nice buzz that sometimes I feel, but really I just do it for the joy of the alignment of the thing. I don't need to have it. I don't feel bad if I don't have it, but if I'm around a space that does have it, I enjoy it and I appreciate it. And sometimes I get that little nice feeling, but it's the alignment as much as it is any actual caffeine effect. The same feeling is how I feel about rampaging appreciation. I'm not trying to do it to ratchet it up to a million levels of (laughs) alignment, but it is something that feels nice. It gives me a bit of focus in the mind. And I know eventually I'll probably let it go. But for now, that's something I've been doing, especially let's say if I'm at a coffee shop by myself or if I'm at a WeWork, it's something I can do. And what I've noticed when I'm, let's say, at a WeWork during a work day is while I'm doing that, the inspiration, the ideas to float in to answer an email or to do something possibly work-related come through, or let's say it's admin-related, whatever the things might be, I will get those things done as I rampage appreciation. So I just open up a Word document and just write down, I appreciate the candle and the smell that it has right now in the room, or I appreciate that the people I connect to on Instagram, I appreciate whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm just writing things down. But as I do, the ideas will float in my head to go answer an email to Squarespace or to send a message to someone on the team on Slack. So I'll do those things as I'm appreciating. So my workload, if you can call it that, gets done as I appreciate. So that's something that I've been doing. Again, not attached to it though. Don't have to keep doing it just here for now as long as it brings me joy. Just like reading books brought me so much joy for so long and now they don't. Things can come in and out fluidly. Okay, now Sophia asks, have you tried channeling the collective yourself? That would be cool to hear. 
Oh, interesting question. So I've not tried channeling them in the way that Annie does. And if they did come through me, the blocks of thought would probably be reinterpreted differently. So that would be interesting. Haven't tried it in that sense. However, one of the things Annie and I have discussed is that as we've done some of these episodes, especially the earlier ones, I would have a lot of visuals come to me. You guys know I love to describe things in analogies and metaphors. And as she would be channeling the collective, I would have a different analogy come through me. One of them that comes to mind is the Caesar salad and the croutons when we talked about fear in an early episode. That came through me and Annie picked up on it. She goes, Jess, I think that that's how you're channeling the collective. You're just doing it through visualizations and analogies and describing things in different ways. So that's maybe like one little way that I have been doing it. But no, I haven't tried actually channeling them. You know, maybe it's a bit like, obviously, I think I could connect to that energy. Could I channel it through and would it sound at all like recognizable to what is coming through Annie? Maybe not, but that's okay. We've thankfully got Annie to do so. And maybe my role here in this dynamic is to be the alignment holder, if you will, and also be the human voice of someone to talk with them and to be a point of view from a human mind. I'm not sure. Eventually, if I have a shift in perspective or perception, that will be really interesting to me is the imagination I have, the idea I have is how cool would it be to have a realized human talk with a channel? I cannot think of anyone. Wayne Dyer and Abraham spoke, but Wayne, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, who knows? Was he enlightened? Was he not? He's a great spiritual teacher either way. Yeah, I think the idea of having like an Eckhart Tolle and Abraham conversation or an Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie with the collective or maybe a Jess Lively one day, who knows? That would be fascinating. So maybe that one day is in the future. We shall see. Okay, now we have Dave Bag 88 said, Hey Jess, my question for you is currently at a desk job, which isn't a bad job, but I know it isn't what I'm meant to be doing with my life. I want to be able to help people in some way. How do I find my purpose and have the courage to actually take action and pursue it? Thanks, Dave. Okay, great question, Dave. I want to be able to help people in some way. Your mind has a limited perception of how it's able to help in the sense, first of all, that right now you're working at a job. It's a desk job, but there are people around you. So first I would say anyone that's sitting in a desk job that says they're not helping people are ignoring all of the humans that are around them day to day at the desk that they're at, or even at the WeWork. Let's say you're a freelancer. You're still around other humans wherever you are, most likely, unless you're a hermit in the cave. So recognize that helping people in some way could even be like at the WeWork, being one of like, like honoring the people that are doing the staff and running the show and making sure that, you know, the cups are cleaned and they're doing the the dishes and they're doing all that stuff, helping those people, not necessarily doing their job with them, but to be kind and to be respectful and to be a light for everyone around you at a company or at an environment like a co-working space would be one thing. So first, and even the people that you're working with at the job. So let's say if you have clients at the job, those are people. So recognize that, you know, there's people that need help in the Australian fires and there are people in your job that need help with their job. And there are people at the, you know, the staff that is running the office space that you're at that could be helped by just you showing up and honoring their presence and showing them that they are seen. There are so many ways that we can help people right where we are in terms of, let's say, coaching or if you wanted to be, you know, helping with the people in the fires. Again, that too doesn't have to be a full-time thing right away. So your mind has a limitation that says I'm either 
all helping people or I'm not helping at all. And neither of those are true. You can help the people at the job you're in. You can also help people outside and beyond your job part time. So there's no all or nothing in this except for in the perception and the limitations of the mind. And of course, in terms of the steps to take and the actual courage to take it and pursue it, that comes from deep inner wisdom, like question your inner voice, ask your inner voice, is it time to do it now? And this has been a huge one for me. So I just like really want to honor you in the now. And yesterday I had this big shift even in a different area of my life, recognizing my mind loves to think, all minds love to think about what we should do and when we should do it. And so your mind is sitting here ask it this, like try to like put it into perspective. And you can even ask your inner voice, am I supposed to quit my job right now? Like right now, am I supposed to call up my office? Am I supposed to call the boss? Am I supposed to send an email that will quit the job? Am I supposed to do that right now? Like I'm not talking theoretically in the next week. I'm not talking in a general sense. And I'm not even talking like you've known this for three months, you need to leave the job. Are you going to stop listening to this podcast, press pause, call the person or write the email? Write now, like right now, like in the moment that I'm not talking right now, are you going to do that? If you're not going to do it right now, you don't need to think about it. It will become clear. If it's not in this moment where you're going to stop the podcast in the middle of the show and go make the call, it's not right now. (laughs) So you don't have to worry or think about it right now because you're not doing it right now. When you know, you know, and you'll do it. Now, even that knowing might come and you may not in that moment go call the boss, but there will be a moment when the penny drops, when it sinks in, and then you will go do it. Until then, don't do it. Don't do it. Unless your inner voice is saying, go do it right now, don't do it. For example, for me, I had the uh, visa stuff with Australia, which I guess I can share a bit about that. So I got told that I need to find a different visa. I can't return on a, any type of tourist visa or anything like that for like the foreseeable future right now. I didn't break any rules or anything like that with the tourist visa, but I didn't know I was going to come back because of the Detroit stuff, etc. And they were like, basically, I have used the extent of the tourist visa for a while now. And they're like, you know what? You need a different visa to come back. So... I had this, and my job is so weird, so they don't have typical pathways to sponsorship. It's not really that easy in Australia in general to get visas, unless you're a student visa or a partner visa, which doesn't apply to me either. So the pathway as a self-employed online coach This is a very specific thing. They've changed the rules to the entrepreneurship visa in the last few years, so that's not as easy or straightforward, and it doesn't really apply to me either. So I knew the pathway, I can explain more in the details of the one that we're looking at in the future, but basically has a potential for waiting 12 to 18 months for the decision to be made, and there's only 200 visas a year awarded to this type of visa that I'm looking at. So in all sense, You know, you'd think get the application lodged as soon as possible. If you're going to have to wait 12 to 18 months to get the outcome, do it soon so that it's lodged and then you hurry up and wait, basically. But instead, I felt into it and I didn't have that clarity, that urge, you know, that you're feeling, Dave, you're waiting for that urge to leave the job. Now, maybe you've been ignoring it and this is like a stale, stinky fish in your life. And in that case, you're going to have to do a heart to heart with your inner voice and just find the courage to let go and find out what happens on the other side. 
But if you haven't had the clarity of the alignment to leave it yet, like I was feeling with the visa, I didn't have the clarity of alignment to actually move forward in the application. I really, really went back to one of the episodes we had with Clotilde and the bud. This is in the season seven. It's a few episodes behind here, probably in the the tens, I would say, like three, 16, 17, somewhere around there. There's two episodes. It was a client session I did with a woman named Clotilde. And in the session, the bud, the voice she was channeling, said that when Clotilde was in her life and she was buying this apartment, she had this story in her mind that she needed to get out of the apartment, kind of like needing to get out of the job. And so she found this great new place and she went for it. And she kind of, they would say in a very loving way, kind of forced it to happen. She got so attached to this specific house that she found or apartment in France. She got so attached to it that she kind of pushed things forward and made it happen. And she kind of, in a way, used her human effort and action to make it happen. And when I asked the bud what they would have done differently if they were her, because once she got the place, she's been there for about a year and a half and there's been continuing situations of stress and annoyance with it. It has not been stress-free once she got it. It wasn't stress-free getting it. And once she got it, it continued to match that same vibration of not stress-free. And they said, well, we would have just waited. We would have waited. We wouldn't have worried. We wouldn't have stressed. We would have waited till we were peaceful about that first place she was in. And we would have had the peace of that and we would have found many, many other other places that would have been just as good or better than the one that she had found that she was so attached to and made happen in her life. And when they said that, because it's not a thing that I struggle with personally in a recent way, like I'm not thinking about apartments and being that attached to it, I could see how the mind works so clearly in her life in that area where for other people it might be around dating or it might be for you with your desk job, when to quit. So I kept thinking, they said, when she had a rushed feeling, she got a rushed result. You don't need the rushed feeling to be the reason that you leave. So you probably, if you don't have the rushed feeling to leave, or if you do, it's not time yet. And the same for me at the visa. And now I decided over time, I was like, this is a little crazy to push this off. I could have submitted this in, let's say, October, but here I am in January and I still haven't done anything with it because I haven't wanted to feel rushed and I haven't felt the urge to do it. I kept joking to people. I would say, well, at least I don't feel rushed. (laughs) I'm not feeling the rush. I might be kind of insane to most people people because of the feeling of not doing anything and it's got such a long waiting time but at least I don't feel rushed and I then kind of looked at it as like well maybe the new energy of 2020 will feel like the right time and as the fires are happening and all the things are happening in Australia it's also been very interesting to watch my alignment and see that the alignment potentially is feeling towards and warm going into that space in into helping there and the foundation that we've created and the emotional wellness brigade could be a benefit to those people it's very interesting because potentially given everything that's happening now there may be a pathway we never would have seen before given the situation that's unfolding there even though it's such a devastating thing that may be a place where i can be of service and they may see that i may be able to be of service on the immigration and that may lead to an interesting pathway that had i rushed this earlier in september or some period before this the idea or even the need for what i could provide wouldn't have showed up so it's so beautiful to think that by waiting even though it on the surface looked silly and waiting for that aligned feeling to act in the now is 
possibly going to lead to a much better and faster result than the other rushed response would have been. So very long. Basically, listen to your inner voice. Do what it says. And also just remind your mind when it wants to think and hem and haw. Am I going to call the boss or him or her now? Am I going to do it now? If not, take a break. It's not time to do it. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. It will become clear. I promise you, it will become clear. Okay. Cass McQuarrie asked, do you still write your intuition in the wake of channeling? Very interesting. I did a little bit yesterday. I did tiny bits of channeled writing where I just write a question and listen for an answer and write it down. I did a little bit yesterday, but now I do it mostly inside of my head. So I'll just do it in my head. I'll ask a question from the mind to the inner voice. But I did do like a few pieces of writing because I was working on the collective collective sales page, as you've heard in the last week's episode, and it was not flowing at all. So I wanted a bit of clarity. So I asked a few questions and wrote them down because I had the computer there and the Word document, but usually now it's just happening inside my head directly. Now we have Ellie Bennett who said, what place does design have in your life right now? Okay, so what place does design have in my life right now? I still love it and I still pick Airbnbs that make me feel excited and happy to be in them and they feel beautiful and they feel inspiring. The places I have stayed the longest have tended to have high ceilings lately. Even my Sydney place and my Detroit place had lofted space. The place here in Cape Town has a double ceiling in the living room. So there's something about space and light and modern design that I just love. But it's kind of been fun since I don't have a space of my own to decorate fully yet. Again, it's fun to learn to appreciate so many different styles that other people have. And also here in Cape Town, I've been what I call living my best life and just getting what I want and not having the story of, oh, I'm living out of a suitcase, so I shouldn't buy a big beach hat or a beach tote or a tray or candles that I find beautiful. I'm actually just buying them and I just figure, you know what, I can always send this in another suitcase to wherever I'm going next, but it doesn't mean that I have to live this sterile life. I did, for the first year of my travels, live out of a carry-on suitcase and a duffel bag, so it's not like I can't live in that very, very minimalist way as well, but what's aligning now is to actually deeply live the fullest life I can wherever I'm at, and then finding objects, if they do flow into my life that feel aligned, to have them and not make it this whole story that I can't have them because of that. How are you feeling about partnership? Ooh, Ellie. Good question. I would say last year I had a huge year of releasing massive amounts of what I call emotional beanbags around relationships and partnership. In the mind, that has been so much desire for that part of my life to unfold. And I've had many micro relationships, I think my brother calls them, as he's lived nomadically as well. There's this interesting experience that he and I both share. I don't know if this is for others as well, so I'll just speak to our experiences. But You can have some really, really deep and short interactions as you're living nomadically. And you kind of go, what I found last year especially was like going all in on these, like kind of see where they go. And then as you go all in right from the start, what was interesting, I'm not saying this will happen for my future, but that experience of time was so fascinating because you could go very quickly into deep experiences, heal and release things, see where things might be similar to old patterns you've had in your life and then have the awareness to release them and not project them on the 
the other person as much as you can. And then also to let them go. So it was kind of like, again, like my apartment shedding or moving around so much. It's a really, really wonderful way to shift energy very quickly in that state of being. Now, of course, I do want to have a long-term partner place and probably my mind would like a plan too, but I know that's all a facade. I feel open and less attached than ever before and keep reminding myself and that feeling of what I was saying to Dave in this earlier question. Do I feel like dating someone now and being all in right now? Or do I feel like ending this with someone right now in this exact moment and recognizing when I'm excessively focusing on a subject that's not actively in my life in that moment? Like, am I with them right now? And are we having a conversation right now? If we're not, then I don't need to think about it because they're not in my life right now. So yeah, noticing when my mind will wanna focus on that subject when it's not even appropriately timed to a now moment that is relevant and also, yeah, open, trusting, allowing as much as I can, much more than I was. So I'm on the path, just like we all are, to whatever is next. And the last question she said, are you still trying to consciously manifest while you're moving beyond the mind? I'm learning to allow my mind to have preferences and look at preferences as okay, but it doesn't have to be an attachment. So I prefer to have beautiful apartments, but I'm not attached. Um, last week I was crashing on people's sofas and doing all sorts of different places and spaces that wouldn't have necessarily been, you know, when I was sleeping on my friend Greg's floor cushions in his office, (laughs) that was very different than this flat that I'm in now. So it's a preference to be in a beautiful place, but it didn't make me out of alignment to be sleeping on his floor cushions in his office for a night or on a friend's sofa on New Year's night. Like it was all fine. So I prefer to have those beautiful things, but I'm not attached to having them. It doesn't make me out of alignment in that moment if the best thing that is aligning is something different than a traditional preference for me. So having preferences, but then letting the magic of life unfold is how I would say I look at manifesting. I'd prefer to have a partner, but I'm allowing the magic of life to unfold. And I trust that if that's meant to be in my life, it can and will show up. Miller Morrow said, yay, I've been wanting one of these, do it. I want to hear things you're afraid to tell us. What have you been holding back on? Anything? Well, like I said, I've been going through many relationships here and there throughout the world, literally, and don't feel like sharing about them. Part of it is possibly because the one I shared about last was the one in Detroit, and it was, I think it was a year ago now that I shared about it, and we ended up ending like two days before the episode even aired, and I was so convinced that that wouldn't end that situation because it was so shocking that I was like, oh my God. No. And I felt so confident about that situation. And so the fact that that didn't work, I was like, I don't need to be going through things so real time. So I'm not afraid, but I've also realized there are times to be sharing things and there are times not to. I don't think that that was a wrong time to share that experience I was in, by the way, too. When I shared that one, I felt really good and strong about that one, at least in my head or as far as I was aware. And maybe that was an interesting feedback to me, too. Actually, that was probably a gift to have that experience end right after I had shared about it did help me have that privacy interest, that interest in like being there for me too and uh, letting things unfold in a a way that didn't have to be so for you, (laughs) basically. So uh, yeah, that's been it. I've been living life and dating and meeting people and learning and expanding and growing. And that's all been something I haven't shared with you, but I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily afraid of it. Rihanna and James Art said, what does flow look like for you these days? And have you had any cool experiences with the collective lately? 
You know what? I was actually feeling ill a few weeks ago. This is back in London. This is a few months ago now. And I was about to like throw up. But actually, it's funny. In that moment, as I was not feeling well, I asked the collective for help because they say we're always available to you. And I asked them specifically for help in that moment where I was feeling that stomach sick. And they came in and my whole body calmed down. It was really, really special. So that was a very special, cool experience for me with the collective. And what does flow look like for me these days? Preferences without attachment, I would say that is how I'm looking at it. Cape Town, what I love about Cape Town is the tourist visa is a lovely visa. You can stay on for three months at a time. You can't extend after that, but then you can go elsewhere and come back and return. So I can keep doing the Cape Town as a potential base for myself for a longer while than let's say in London or in Australia where there's a six month limit to a year time. So you can only be in Australia or in London in the UK, basically, where the other two places they love being. You have to pick which six months of the year you want to spend total of the 12 months, where here it's just don't stay longer than 90 days, but you can come back as often as you want. So that flow is a potential. So like I've got that potential and so that could happen, but I don't really know. So I've kind of like going, that's interesting. Let's see how things go. And I like that, but let's see how things go. And now I have a, like literally as of this morning, a new idea and potential that may lead me back to Australia a bit sooner than we expected, but we'll see how things go. So I kind of stay open to things. Even this Airbnb that I'm in, I stayed and booked it for a week because I've learned after living out of these for so long that you don't know what you don't know about a place until you've been there. So if you're gonna try to stay for one to three, four months at a place in one specific unit, you don't know from the pictures like how the bedding, how good is the mattress, how good is the pillows, how uh, quiet is the space. Are the neighbors loud? Uh, you don't really know those elements of a building or a place if you'd be staying in for a longer period of time. So I would book the place and I did. I booked it for the week, but it had the potential opening to be stayed in longer. It wasn't booked for the next six weeks after that as well. So I was very excited for this place, even weeks leading up to it, but I didn't know what the flow would be until I got here and then realized, oh my gosh, it is quiet and it is beautiful. And the bedding is, you know, something you want to sleep in for a few months long, not just a, a cheaper bedding that looks good in the photos, for example. So once I had all of that, then I reached out to them about staying longer and seeing if the availability on the website was even still there. That was something I did. This is something I've learned about the now is, and you could do this for something else in your life too, is recognize that when you need to know something is in the now, but which now is the right now to need to know it? Do you need to know it or do you want to know it? So for example, a friend of mine asked, when I told them, all my friends, by the way, by the time I moved to this place after a month of traveling in other Airbnbs in Cape Town, when I booked this one, I was so excited by the potential of it. By the time I got here, three friends messaged me that day saying, how do you like the place? Because they all <laughs> knew I was so excited to be here by the time I finally got here. Leading up to that, they asked, you know, well, do you want to stay longer? Do you, do you want to do that? And I said, well, I don't even know if it's still available. The first time I booked it, I saw that it was available for a few months. But in the weeks leading up to the actual move-in date or check-in date, you know, someone else could have booked in the middle of that chunk of time in those six weeks. And what was so interesting was to live in the not looking at it. And he, he goes, why don't you look at it? Why don't you see if someone else is going to stay in it? And I said, well... I don't even know if I want to stay in it. So if I'm already 
upset or having some emotional reaction to whether or not someone else has booked it now, weeks before I've even gotten into it. It's just gonna be stressful to my mind. Why don't I just wait? It just felt easier and simpler and lighter and more aligning to live in the unknown of whether someone else is gonna book it before I got there. Because I could have wasted all this energy being upset about someone booking in the middle of that six weeks, or for example, or booking it up for the six weeks. And then I could have gotten here and realized I didn't wanna stay here after that point anyways. So I would have wasted all this energy being upset about an Airbnb listing I wouldn't have even wanted to use anyway. Or I had some mail that got delivered while I've been away from Michigan and I have some stuff to deal with with some tax stuff from years ago. I think my accountant had accidentally not paid about two or $3,000 of tax, which was not intended by him or me. It's just a, an oversight that he did back then. And I hadn't seen the mail for a while. And I realized as I'm working with a new accountant to sort it all out that I didn't need to look at the documents, even when my friend got the mail and even when she finally sent me the pictures. I could have looked at the information, but I wasn't going to actually act on it until I talked to my accountant in the new year when I was able to, after the holidays, reach him. So I was like, well, what am I going to do by knowing this information now? I'm just going to stress or worry, but I'm not actually going to act in any way until the accountant actually shows me what we need to do. So why am I putting myself through some mental stress or drama now about something that when I talk to him, he may not even find to be a big deal, or if it is a big deal, it probably won't be, but if it is, I'd rather go through that with someone that knows what is going on than have an emotional reaction to something out of fear on my own. So that was, it's interesting to learn to be, it's like willful choosing to let information be revealed to you in a time and place that is most aligning for the information to be revealed. So once I got to this Airbnb, I waited until I explored all the aspects of it and I waited until I knew that it was quiet and I liked the bedding and I liked, I spent the whole night in it. And then I got into alignment the next day. And when I was in alignment the next day and loving the place and had that experience of information that feels like, yes, this feels good. Then I went on Airbnb and saw what was available. Then I reached out to them and then I did it. So I didn't act prematurely. And the same with the tax stuff. Like I actually have the call today as I'm the day that I'm recording this episode for you. I have the call with my accountant and I said to him, I sent him the pictures of the documents. I haven't even read them myself. I sent him the photos my friend sent me and I said, I'm excited to have you look at these and then kind of walk me through what is this. Now when I'm with him, he will have a plan to actually execute. It's kind of like, I don't need to see the doctor's medical report without knowing what to do about it. I can get the information, but not knowing what I can do about it, what my options are, what the path of best action is, like what's the point of knowing beforehand? So anyways, yeah, that's how I'm flowing lately is when I need to know and when do I not. I hope you guys are enjoying this. This is definitely longer answers to your questions and obviously very off the cuff and off the top of my head. Um, now we have Pete Jessica who said, would love to just hear how you're doing and beyond the mind nuggets of wisdom or reading concepts recommendations. I also love to refer back to life with attention, foundations, and so much still resonates as I rely on my sense of knowing versus thinking. I also must say it's been incredible to become a mom and with all the wisdom you've shared over the years, mama intuition is strong. Oh, that's so great, Jessica. I love that you're using all of your life with intention, which is an, a class that I have created, one of my foundation courses years ago, and the values-based intentions. Yeah, I can say the values-based intentions 
I mean, obviously my consciousness was more limited back then, but the depth of that course and the foundation of those principles still applies to everything, basically still applies now. It's amazing to live those values-based intentions. And it's such a deep, deep way to move forward without having necessarily all of the points of view and perceptions and consciousness that we have all developed as we've gone through this journey together. So it's amazing. And it's cool to hear you're still enjoying it. Any beyond the mind nuggets or wisdom? Okay, so reading wise, I'm not reading anything. Last year, I didn't read one book other than, I think I reread The Power of Now one and a half times, but that was it. I didn't read anything else. I listen, of course, as always, to Abraham on YouTube, Abraham Hicks, and I love the guides by Paul Selig, the channeled work. So I do love Audible to listen to the guides by Paul Selig. I like that Paul reads the books himself. So yeah, I think the tone, even though it's not needing to be him, I do enjoy the frequency of the person who brings it through, kind of like Annie being the voice of the collective, the way it comes through her. I appreciate Paul being the reader of the Audible book for the books. The one I think is called Realization. That's the one I've been listening to lately and I've shared whenever Audible wants to sponsor a show. And then how I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm pretty pumped and like settling into a place for seven weeks. OMG, seven weeks of one place. What a beautiful contrast after the whirlwind it's been since leaving London. I felt like there was nothing stable about my life for the last like five or six weeks. And it was very, I was felt like I was in a gyroscope just being tossed and turned and shaken like a jar of pennies. But out of that, so much energy moves, so many stuck pieces of energy just get taken out through all of that. So I've definitely expanded a ton in all of that shaking up of routine and ritual, taking myself out of my element, throwing myself into a totally different culture and environment being in, you know, it's not Ghana or Zimbabwe or the Sudan, obviously. there's There could be other places more divergent than South Africa and Cape Town. Let's be real. But I can still say, even just adjusting to Cape Town, it's a totally different continent. It's a totally different culture. There's totally different aspects and elements, learning how to deal with load shedding, for example. There's been a lot of adjustments and it just kind of, not in a bad way, just in a very destabilizing way. But now I'm looking at seven weeks in one place after being here for a little while to know what load shedding is, to know how to navigate that, to know where to get the groceries, to know how to find the WeWork and how to get there, et cetera, and having friends. So, and also I can say as how I'm doing, I have been amazed. I have so many friends here in Cape Town. It's been the most social part of my 2019 by far, just in the last few weeks that I've been here, the last month or so. So doing tons of fun things here, meeting tons of great people. And then, yeah, not really reading too much beyond the mind, but listening to my inner voice or Abraham when I feel like it. Ooh, T. Thomas Arts, hi, lady. Congratulations on your baby. Um, What emotional blocks have you worked on in 2019? By the way, if you're wondering, that was me saying to T. Thomas Arts that uh, she's pregnant, so she's having a baby. So I said congratulations to her. She's not congratulating me on a baby. (laughs) Um, Her question was, what emotional blocks have you worked through last year? I had tons of beanbags. I call them emotional. Eckhart calls them the pain body in The Power of Now. I haven't heard him specifically myself, but I've heard other people reference that Michael Singer and possibly the Buddhists call them samskaras. Um, I call them the beanbags. If you've taken Magic Not Manual with me, you've heard me call them the beanbags, the emotional blocks. So the ability to recognize when you're triggered by a situation in your present moment that is not a new feeling. It's actually an old 
feeling being triggered by a new current situation. And so the emotion's old, but the time you're feeling it is now. So when you're triggered by something from the past that feels like something in the now, that's kind of what she's speaking to. I released about 200 or so of those last year. Sometimes it was one a day, sometimes it was one a week, sometimes it was five a day. It was hectic at some times in the day. Like there were some days where I was just laying on my bed or the sofa. I remember looking back into early parts of 2019, just exhausted and drained by all of the things I was letting go of, all of the fears, all of the old emotions that I was releasing. And that was it. That was, it was a big year of release. 200. Most of them are around relationship. No surprise there. I've gotten through a lot of, but also seeing things around health, seeing things around body, I mean, any subject really, and even just going to deeper levels of even things like abundance and trust or work, you name it, every aspect of life in different ways and different facets, but mostly the big one was on relationship. And it was interesting, it got to a point where I was like, how can one person who had two nice relationships over 10 years in her 20s into her early 30s have this much crap to go through? How is that possible? And it is also like one of those things to me that's like, we don't know how long we've been here. We don't know if it's just this lifetime we're playing with or many more. And you've obviously heard the reference to many more lifetimes on the show. So that's not a new concept for the Lively Show. But yeah, I got to imagine there's a lot more (laughs) junk in that trunk from other experiences than just this one alone, potentially at least. So yeah, that's how it's been going. Lots of relationship, but other ones too. It's just like a basically when I say that, it's not like I'm horrible. It's just like the idea of feeling like I didn't deserve for it to be easy and that I just deserve it to be what I want. Like that when you don't feel like you deserve it to be easy and to be what you want, then you can put yourself through all sorts of difficult situations that aren't necessary because you're trying to earn it. You're trying to effort it. You're trying to stick with situations that aren't really what you want. And when you stay with those situations that aren't really what you want and they aren't really life-giving, then you get stressed and then you get all these emotional beanbags. But it's really just about the fact that you hadn't let go and, and like allowed new things to come in. And so that creates a ton of beanbags. So it was a lot of releasing stuff when I was trying too hard, basically. All right, now we have joyful living Julie who said, could you go back and give your just sold a house and about to start traveling self one piece of advice, what would it be? Keep going. That's what I'd say. I would probably hate hearing that as the human though. (laughs) Be like, when is it over? Because I'm still asking that question now. Like, when is it over? (laughs) I just say, keep going. Oh, I wouldn't like hearing it, but... I don't know what else. I'm like, I love you and keep going. (laughs) Just like all inner voices basically say to all of us. Now we have Bexter Daly who said, as far as career goes, how can I tell if what I want and desire is ego-driven or being inner being driven? Thank you, Jess. If it feels exciting, light, free, you know, you can still have fears in the mind, but if the deeper part of you, or even just directly ask your inner being, should I do X, Y, or Z? But oftentimes on some of the bigger things, like for example, my divorce, I didn't have my inner being say, you should get divorced, <laughs> do it now. At times when I had asked earlier than that in in the relationship, should I end it? My inner voice would always say no. So it would say no to ending it when it wasn't time to end it. But by the time it actually was the time to end it, 
when it was, it was aligned within myself. I didn't hear a do this. It was a bunch of situations and data and information that I got to select and sort through based on having it. What did I want to choose? I got to pick that really, really big decision to be my own. But other times when I was premature, it would say no. So I would say, ask where the desire is coming from. That's another thing to ask. Is this desire for whatever with the career coming from my inner being or my mind? And if so, why? And what does it really want? And what do you really want in her being? And go from there. Keep going. Just ask more questions. Shannon M. Funt asks, question for the Q&A. I often wander, especially on days like today when I have a majority of my day clear. How do you decide what to do? I imagine you just ask your inner voice, but what happens if you're out of alignment and inner voice isn't chatting yet? Thanks for sharing. And regarding personal, would love to know how you ended up in South Africa for home for two months. Okay, cool. Well, I've kind of shared about the Airbnb specifically for this two months, but South Africa kind of flowed because as I went to London, I kept joking that I'd go find an Aussie and marry them and come back on a partner visa to Australia. (laughs) But I kept meeting South Africans instead and in London and actually had dated and met more South Africans in Australia. So South Africa had been this place I had visited and loved three years ago. But as my year ended, like the last three or four months of the year, I kept meeting South Africans. And the idea to come to Cape Town, because there's a lot of elements about Cape Town, Southern Hemisphere, um, proteas and eucalyptus, like even some of the plant life is similar. The climate is rather similar to Sydney. There's a lot of elements that kind of jacaranda trees. There's a lot of elements here, British Commonwealth uh, to Australia and the, the water like Sydney. So with that in mind, when I knew I couldn't go back to Australia just yet, the idea of being out of the winter up in the Northern Hemisphere, I'd also just spent the winter in Detroit, the winter in Sydney, and then basically the ongoing winter, impending winter in London. I wanted some warmer weather to see the sun and to be able to lay out not wearing jumpers and sweaters and jackets and jeans all the time like I had the whole year. So the idea of coming here kind of came up through that. And a friend of mine had offered to like kind of be a tour guide to me. So that kind of got me to book it. So yeah, anyways, that's why South Africa happened and I share the details on the two-month Airbnb. In terms of what I do when I have the majority of the day clear, I don't really ask it directly usually, although I sometimes let it dress me. (laughs) I let my inner being dress me, like what should I wear today? It'll be like the green one, the green one, or the blue one, the blue one. It always says the blank color one, the pink one, the pink one. And it's so fun if you do little things like that, by the way, or you could do it as you're walking around, like you said, turn this way or do that. Whenever you wanna play with it, it is so helpful because it's not a huge deal, right? We get people that ask questions on, should I end my marriage or should I change my career? Those are really big decisions. And if you haven't made any real headway with connecting to your inner voice, that can be quite a you know stress-inducing thing and you don't have much trust yet. But when you ask on the little things and see what happens, when you follow it and when you don't follow it, that is a really, really nice way to build trust and connection and frequency with it. So when, yes, the other day on Sunday, I heard wear the pink one, the pink one in terms of shoes. I wore a white t-shirt, the blue one, the blue one, which was jeans, and then It said the pink ones, the pink ones for the shoes, but I have two types of pink shoes. I have leather espadrilles and pink sneakers, and the pink sneakers are brand new. They're pristine clean, and they're suede, and they're just beautiful little Nike sneakers, and then I have these pink leather espadrilles. Well, 
I knew it wanted me when it said the pink one, even though both were pink. I knew it was saying, because, you know, you're it's just translating to you. So, you know, you're just finding a way to translate what it's saying directly to you. So I knew in the essence of its statement that it wasn't saying to wear the sneakers. It was telling me to wear the espadrilles, but I had worn the espadrilles a few days before for a long time and they don't have as much arch support. And I was going on a long walk. So I said, you know what? basically, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to wear the pink sneakers anyways. It's a beautiful day out. So I was like, they're not going to get ruined. I'll just wear those because I'm going to walk for a few miles and it'll be more comfortable than the espadrilles. Well, I was very curious about the day. One time, at one point, we thought it was raining outside in a parking garage because it was really wet inside the parking garage. We assumed it was water coming from the outside into the garage. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it wanted me to not get them wet. And here I am wearing them. Now they could get wet when we get out of the parking garage. Nope, wasn't raining. So I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. I guess it wasn't the reason. And as we are in the parking garage and saw that it wasn't raining and we're putting groceries and stuff into the car. No, actually, it was after that. We drove from the parking garage of this mall into the parking garage of my new Airbnb. And as I was taking my stuff out to put it into the Airbnb, there was this really big, heavy suitcase that I carry because, like I said, I'm not packing light anymore. I'm living months, like three months at a time everywhere. So I'm really living my best life wherever it is and enjoying having options. Anyways, I have this big suitcase and it lands on my foot and leaves a big like roller bag, dirty wheel, sneaker mark all over, a track mark over the top of my brand new pair of sneakers. Had my pink leather sneakers or espadrilles been what I wore, I wouldn't have cared and it would have wiped off very easily off the leather. But here I am wearing my brand new pink suede sneaks and I got a big track mark right off the top of it. You know, it, was hurt. it hurt my foot, but really, the pink ones, the pink ones, because that might have been the reason. Who knows? Or maybe I'm manifesting because of that expectation. There must be something wrong. I don't know. But either way, whenever I take those little moments to rebel against my inner voice, I tend to find out why later on that I should have listened the first time. So you can play with that yourself as well. Okay, guys, we are now at one hour. So I'm going to wrap this up. But there are so many more questions that people have asked. So maybe I'll do another one of these If you like this, please go over to Instagram and share and comment on the episode page or send me an Instagram comment that you like this kind of thing to encourage me to do more. Or we can always go back as usual to collective episodes and other channels through me as well. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.